Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today, Senior Pastor Brandon Williams finishes the series, Core. In this message, he looks at the core value of encourage. Brandon explains that we don't need cheerleaders on the sideline. We need people that are willing to get in the game. All right. Good morning. Uh, nothing like the good old Spartan cheerleaders, right? Just a little disclaimer, we do not endorse nor promote Saturday Night Live, so you don't have to send me an email this week about that, um, but just, just throwing that out there for you. Um, but glad you're here. If you're a first-time uh, guest here, man, we are super excited you're here. If you're one of the old faithful, we're glad you're here and uh, praying that God does incredible things, man. I am jacked. I am pumped. I don't even know how to, the right word to say it. I'm just glad to be back after three weeks. Um, I hope you brought a lunch going to be here a little while. No, I'm just kidding. We actually got to get out a little bit early today, um, do some other things, um, cut the grass, wash the windows. And I'm just not that kind of stuff you'll see in a little bit. But um, anyway, glad to be back. Glad to be able to speak to you today as we continue talking about the core values that we believe God's given us. These are really the, not, the, the um, non-negotiables. I guess is the best way to say it, of our church because of the vision that God's given us to accomplish of connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other. The reason for the Spartan video is that today we are actually talking about Encourage. Um, you've heard messages the last three weeks on um, Invest by uh, our discipleship pastor, Billy Shiver, did an awesome job. Um, and then you heard a message on Invite by our student pastor, John Irvin, and also on Serve. Um, thankful for those guys stepping up and, and giving an awesome message today. We talk about the last one, encourage. So invest, invite, serve, and encourage are the four core values that we believe are non-negotiables if we're going to continue to reach people uh, with the gospel of Jesus and to continue to see people go from death to life as they trust in him for salvation. Um, real quick, uh, I want to take just a minute, let's, let's pray because I believe God really and truly does want to speak to our hearts. And, and my prayer is truly that our hearts will be open uh, to his word today, to what the spirit of God would speak to our hearts here in this place. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for um, your love and your grace, your mercy, the power of who you are. We thank you for Jesus who bridged the gap between you and us, God. When our sin has separated us so far, God, he, he bridged that gap. Thank you for sending him. Today, as we look at what he did for us, how he came and he, he came to earth and he didn't just cheer us on from the sidelines, Father, but he stepped into the fight with us. He won the fight for us. God, I pray that that would sink deep into our hearts and it would truly impact our heart and change our lives, that we would be glorifying to you, Lord. Do an awesome work here in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the skit from Saturday Night Live is pretty funny. Um, because they're actually cheering at a chess uh, match, which is kind of crazy. But, um, but I was thinking about that, and one of the reasons we put that in is today because we're talking about encourage. And I was thinking about the difference in um, what we typically think about as, as encourage versus what the Bible teaches us about encouraging or encouragement. So just for a show of hands, like how many cheerleaders we got in here? Former cheerleaders, cheerleaders, get them up high, be proud. A little shout out, spirit fingers. Yep. Never really understood that whole thing. But um, anyway, you know, cheerleaders were awesome because no matter what happened in the game, like they always cheered, right? That's what they do. Like I never heard a cheerleader when we were down like 40 to nothing be like, y'all stink. You're terrible. Like I'm sure that's what they were thinking, but I never heard it. And so they would cheer. And, and here's the funny thing about it. The people in the stands, man, you had some diehard fans that cheered from the stands. But here's the truth. Like the people that I was the closest to, the people that I knew really had my back were the people that were in the fight with me. 
When I played high school football, I developed relationships with people. When I played baseball, I developed relationships with people because we went through things together, man, that, that bound us together in ways that, that nothing could, could ever separate. Some of you have been in the military. You've been literally in places where bullets were flying around you and you had each other's back. You develop relationships that go beyond anything else that you could imagine. So many times in the world, though, what we see is that the word encourage or encouragement is typically people shouting from the sidelines, right? There's very few people that actually get in the fight with us. And so what I want you to see today, the main thing I want you to take away from this today is that Jesus calls us to be in the fight with each other, not just shouting from the sidelines. For example, when I was about eight years old, we lived in Noonan, Georgia, um, and I had a buddy named Joseph. Now, Joseph was, I hope Joseph's not in jail today. That's all I'm going to say about Joseph. Probably a good thing we moved to Statesboro and I got away from Joseph. But listen, Joseph was a good buddy, man. We hung out. We did everything. He lived two houses down. Man, we hung out. We we had great times. There was a little rivalry that went on in our neighborhood with some other kids. Can't really remember their names, probably because one of them beat me senseless. Um, but but we, we would have this little rivalry. Most of the time, it was just us talking back, you know, to each other, uh, talking some trash, talking a little smack. And then um, one day, though, I guess that we had pushed it too far. And I'm walking home. Uh, from Joseph's house, Joseph was with me, walking with me to my house, and I hear something behind me. I look up, and it's our rivals. One of them comes running down there. He jumps off his bike. He, he, he comes running at me, and the next thing I know, I am beating his fist to death with my face. <laughs> like, I beat his fist to a bloody pulp, I'm telling you. And like, this is a crazy thing though. Joseph, my buddy, he was so tight. He always had my back. We were like going to be ninja warriors or something one day. Like I look up and between the flashes of light, I see Joseph jump in the ditch between my house and his house on the way to his, like he was fleeing for his life. I was like, what a friend. You know what I'm saying? And so many times, man, it seems like it's that way that we have people who hang around and maybe they even cheer us on and maybe they even encourage us a little bit. But the problem is when the bullets start flying, when, when, when the punches start being thrown, do you have people in your life who really have your back? Do you have people in your life that, that, man, listen, sometimes we need more than a cheerleader. We need people who are in the fight, who are in the trenches. Do you have people that are surrounding you? Listen, are you being that person to somebody else? You have relationships that people know, listen, they know I've got their back. And come good days and bad days, come mistakes or or successes, listen, I'm with you. And that's what we've got to get to. Listen, that type of life and that type of living is not optional for the Christian. It is a command from God. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 22. This is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to give you four things that, listen, if you're going to go from being somebody who just shouts, that, that, that shouts from the sidelines, who calls the shots from behind the lines where it's safe, to being someone who's in the fight, who's in the game, who's playing with the, you know, the people who are, who's actually fighting and throwing the punches with them, who's living life with them, then we'll give you four things today that have to happen in your life. We get it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Let's read verses 22 through 25. We'll stop there. We'll pick up in just a second. This is some of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. In verse 22, Paul, he's laid out some things that 
that aren't good, some, some fruits of a life that's not surrendered to Christ. And then in verse 22, he begins to tell us about the fruit of a life that is in Christ, that, that loves Jesus, that surrendered their heart to him, who's full of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is living out in them and bring the character of God out in their life. Listen to verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The first thing, if we're going to move from somebody who just shouts from the sidelines to somebody who's in the trenches, who's in the fight, the first thing that we have to be willing to do, we have to be willing to follow the leader. Let me explain this. Paul, in verses 22 and 23, is talking about the character of God that should be displayed in the character of a follower of Jesus. Someone who has surrendered their life to him. Someone who is full of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, these characteristics will be evident in your life. And he, just, he, he gives us this description of these characteristics. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of God that gets worked out in you because the Spirit of God is in you. Is it not pretty awesome to know that the character of the God of the universe, who is perfect in every way, his character is able to be worked out of us when we're surrendered to him and the Holy Spirit is living in us. That's pretty amazing. If you think about where some of you are, where some of you have been and who you were before Jesus came into your life, then you might would get a little bit more excited about that because God has changed your heart or is going to change your heart. And he's working these characteristics out in you. And Paul tells us, he says, look, this is what it's going to look like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, self-control. These things are going to be worked out in your life. This will be your new character because you've been made a new creation through Jesus. That's awesome. Wake up! Like God saved you, right? And these are the characteristics that are going to be worked out in your life. And then in verse 24 and 25, when he begins to say, those who belong to Christ, he goes into this transition. And this is what he's transitioning to. He's going from this theoretical thing that these should be working out in your life. And he's saying, now this is what it's going to actually look like. And he says... Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. There are two things that have to happen. If we're going to be willing to follow the leader, two things have to happen. The first one is this. You have to die. You have to die. Now, let me explain that. We're not going to pass out Kool-Aid right here, okay? Like, all right, boys, bring out the pitchers. Everybody just take one deep swig. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm telling you, though, is spiritually, your flesh, your will, your desires have to die. That's why he says we've been crucified. He said those who belong to Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. The sinful nature is that old nature, who we were before Jesus. When we come to Christ, listen, we die. We no longer live. Because the Spirit of God lives in us. We become a new creation in Jesus. We die. And there's this thing that's happened in, in Christianity. There's this thing that has taken place where all we ever hear people talk about anymore is what you get. Right? You, it's prosperity. It's health. It's wealth. It's all of these other things. You never hear people say, you've got to die. 
And one reason that people never make progress in their faith with Jesus and in their walk with Christ, and one reason these these fruits of the Spirit are never manifest in so many people's lives is because we still haven't crucified the sinful nature. One reason that people always struggle with the same sin over and over and over again is because true repentance that is turning from sin and turning to God has never happened. There's never been a break with sin. We try to hold on to sin right here and we try to hold on to God right here. It doesn't work. We need to be crucified. Listen, listen, does crucifixion sound pleasant to anybody? No. It, it, like if you said crucifixion, it's, that would be awesome. Like you need to see me after the service. You need to pray. Because being beaten like Jesus was and then being taken up a hill, being laid down, your hands being nailed to a beam, your, your feet being nailed to a post and then being stood up and dropped down into the ground so that the post would stand up is not pleasant. But let me ask you this, is crucifixion necessary? Yes. Was it necessary for Jesus to be crucified for you and I? Yes. And the same is true for us as we seek to live out this, this life for God. If we're going to get out off the sidelines and get in the fight, our will has to be crucified. Our desires become crucified. Paul said, I die daily. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow it daily. That would be the equivalent to somebody today walking up to you and going, take up your electric chair and follow it and you follow me daily. No. It seems crazy, but that's the commitment that Jesus calls us to. Listen, when we're encouraging people, when we're truly in the fight with people, it's not always pleasant. It hurts. You feel their pain. And so many times we block people out because we don't want to experience pain. We've got enough pain in our own life. I don't need theirs too. We've got to die to our will. It was necessary for Jesus to die on the cross. It's necessary that we would die also. You can't live for God and live for yourself too. You can't follow God and be God at the same time. You have to to crucify the flesh. Have to. And see, listen, 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 I'm not asking you today like about your, your religious performance. God doesn't give a crap about your religious performance. Nobody does, right? Only the people you're trying to impress, you care more about it than anybody else. I'm not asking you how many times you went to Sunday school. I, listen, you may have a plaque that says in 1985, I did not miss one day of Sunday school. That is awesome. I don't think they got a wall in hell to hang those on. God doesn't care about your religious performance. He cares about the performance of his son, Jesus. And have you put your trust and your faith in him? We cannot do enough good to get to to God. The only thing we can do is trust in the provision that God has made for us through Jesus, period. Some of you are working your rear ends off, trying to please everybody around you and trying to please God, and you can't do it. Just surrender to God. The second thing you got to do, listen, if you're, if you're going to be willing to follow the leader, is you've got to live. You've got to live. The Bible also says, listen, you go on down to verse 25. He says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Those words, keep in step with the spirit, literally mean to walk behind the leader. 
You know, when you were, you were little and, and you played follow the leader and whatever they did, you did. That's what he's saying. He's saying you've been, a made, you've been made alive in Christ. The spirit of God, the God of the universe literally lives inside of you. You've been purified through Jesus' sacrifice and now the spirit of God lives in you. Lives in you. Follow him. Listen, if I walk out in the street and I get hit by a truck, and I'm laying there on the side of the road, dead. And somebody walks by and goes, get up and follow me. And I come back to life. I'm going to do what they say. You know what I'm saying? Like, get up, follow me. I'm like, okay. No questions. Okay, if you can do that, I'm following you. Do you realize that is what the Spirit of God has done to you? When you died with Christ, the Spirit of the Lord has raised you to new life. Listen, he has broken the chains of sin and death off of you so that you can live for God. You don't have to revert back to the old patterns of life. You've been set free from that. Let's walk in the power of the spirit of God. The second thing I'd tell you, if we're going to get off the side, we're going to literally get in the fight with people. We're going to get in the battle. We're going to be in there where the bullets are flying, not just trying to call shots from behind. The second thing that I want to tell you is you've got to escape the performance trap. Listen to this verse in verse 26. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. He goes on down and he says, brothers, and this is in chapter six, like, like Paul didn't put chapters. So let's just keep reading. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. So Paul's leading us up to this thing, remember, where he's telling us what it actually looks like to live out the Christian life, to live out the godly character. And he's telling us right here in verse 26, he's like, don't become conceited. Don't provoke each other. Don't envy each other. Basically what he's saying is quit comparing yourself to other people. Because see, here's the problem we have. You can't carry someone else's burdens. You can't fight along somebody else when all the time you're worried about outdoing them or you're jealous of what they have. Right? You can't do it. If the whole time we're in competition with each other, trying to outdo each other, you can't live that way and carry each other's burdens. You can't get in the fight with someone when the whole time you're fighting against them. That doesn't even make sense. And yet Paul's telling us right here, he's like, don't become conceited. Word for conceited actually means to be excessively prideful or to have an empty opinion of oneself. Isn't that kind of opposites? You think about it? Like to be excessively prideful, like I think I'm all that. And then on the other hand, I've got an empty opinion of myself. Right? But isn't that typically how it happens? That the most prideful people, if you dig down to the core of who they are, are really the most insecure people. That they have the least, that they, they have the worst self-esteem. So they've propped themselves up on what they can attain. They've propped themselves up on, on who other people think they, can, they are or who they think they can be. They prop themselves up on, on worldly achievements. They prop themselves up on a facade. And here's the reason they're insecure at the core is because they're waiting on the day that all of the lies fall down around them. You can't care for other people and constantly be worried about your self-image. You can't. Listen, we're not called to be man-pleasers. We're not. If you want to go to a church that is going to worry about what people think, wrong place, okay? 
We are here to please one person and one alone, and that is Jesus. Nobody else's opinion matters. I'm sorry. It doesn't. If you had died on a cross for me and set my soul free from hell and you would raise me from death to life, then maybe I would follow you. Maybe I would care. I don't. We are going to do exactly what God's called us to do. We are going to fight alongside those people who God has called here, who he's put here. Fight with this, this vision to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. We're not going to be so caught up in what other people think. Listen, Paul says this in verse 26. He says, don't provoke each other. That word literally means to challenge somebody. To challenge them to a contest. It's like when you're a kid and, and you get in a contest, you lose and you'd be like, well, my daddy can beat up your daddy. You know, everybody did that. Only thing was mine could. You want to bet? Like he's saying, don't challenge everybody to a contest because who are the people that we challenge the contest? Who are the ones that we really want to compete against? The people we think we're superior to. Like you never on a football field, walked up to the biggest dude and we're like, I want to hit him. You always saw the little dude and you're like, I can take him. Right? We always say, say, listen, don't look at yourself as superior to the other people. You can't carry other burdens when you're, when you're looking at yourself and thinking, well, I'm too good for them. In fact, that's why some people won't serve in the church is because they think they're better than everybody else. Right? Y'all say, I don't need to take three weeks off. But that's the reality. How is it that, that, that Matthew Page can get up at 5.30 every Sunday morning and come in here and set up Kyle Simonelli? Hey, Kyle, ra- wave at everybody. Where's Kyle? Oh, he's backstage. There he is. Yeah, just want to embarrass him. He hates to be recognized. Just want to embarrass him. How about Tim Cooper or Steve Brooks? How about all these others that I don't even have time to mention? How come it's okay for them to get up and come and serve Jesus and serve other people? But for a lot of us, we're, listen, we're too good. To get in the fight. How in the world is that? It's because we still haven't died to ourselves. That's the reality of the problem. And then he says, listen, don't envy each other. He goes, there's there's two problems here. One, some of you see yourselves as superior. The others of you, you're over here. You think you're inferior. So the whole time, you're just jealous of everybody else. So you aren't going to do anything. You ever seen somebody that's jealous of what somebody else has? Well, I'm just going to... That's all they do is talk about people. Well, he shouldn't have that. Why don't you give that to the, it's like the Judas mentality. Why don't you give that to the poor? All the time you're just jealous. As we see ourselves as inferior, he's like, listen, don't see yourself as superior. Don't see yourselves as impure. And listen, this is what he says in verse three of chapter six. He says, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Basically what he's saying is you're all nothing anyway. He's like, you're not superior, you're not inferior, you're nothing. And this is what he's telling us is, listen, you are nothing in and of yourself, but in Jesus, you are everything. You've got everything. He supplied every need. He's given you everything for ministry. Listen, he's made you a child of him, of God. Listen, he has made you a son or a daughter of the living God, of our heavenly father. He's empowered us to do ministry. Let me ask you this. Thank God somebody's excited. 
He's empowered us to do all these things. He's, he's, he's stepped into our lives and saved us, literally taking us from death to life. And listen, man, listen, listen, listen. And we think we have to prove ourselves to somebody else. Come on. If we grab hold of this, we'll be world changers. When we truly begin to live for Jesus and not worry about what other people think, not provoking each other, challenging each other, seeing ourselves as superior, not envying each other, seeing ourselves as, as people who, who aren't as good as somebody else. We're all nothing. Yet in Jesus, we're something. In fact, let's just take this thing. Everybody look around. Look around. Everybody look around. Look, look to your left. Look to your right. Everybody look around. It's kind of awkward, isn't it? So I don't usually do that. Here's the reality. You're surrounded by people that are nothing. We're all on an even playing field. But here's the awesome thing. In Jesus, the one who gives us our identity, we have everything. Nothing is lacking. That's a pretty good God that gives a nothing everything. Listen, until we get out of this performance trap, we're never going to step into the fight because we can't serve people when we're competing with people. We can't serve people when we're jealous of people. We're all in this together. Listen, every church in Bullitt County, all 4,992 of them, we're in this together. There's no competition between churches. It's the kingdom of God. If there's competition, it's because you're building the wrong kingdom. It's about your kingdom, not the kingdom. We better be about his kingdom. And if we ever become where we're not, I pray God shuts the doors. There's no competition in Christ. We've got to get out of this mentality that somehow others have to fail so that we can succeed. What kind of life we bought into? Number three, 6.1, Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if someone is called in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Paul's continuing this thought of getting in the fight. He's, he's talking about leading up to carrying other people's burdens. The third thing I want you to understand that we got to do to get from the sideline to the fight is that we've got to be willing to grow up and step in. Grow up and step in. Paul says this in, in, Galatians, in Galatians 6, 1. He says, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Should restore him gently. Listen, he's saying, those of you who've grown up in Christ, step in to the situation and restore him gently. But here's the thing. He's talking to the spiritually mature. And listen, it's not a way for us to just excuse ourselves from not stepping into other people's situations to restore them when they're struggling or when burdens are weighing them down or when they're in sin. Listen, it's not an excuse for us to say, well, I'm not spiritual. That is a lame excuse. If anything is an indictment on us that we should by now have grown up. That we should have put ourselves in enough spiritual training through reading the word, through prayer, through connect groups. Hello! Anybody seen a green shirt today? Like a bunch of leprechauns running around here. But, but he's saying you should by now have been spiritually trained. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this. You don't get spiritually trained in an hour and 15 minutes one day a week. It's about your life. 
Has your life been surrendered to Jesus? Are you putting yourself in situations where you can grow up through the word, through prayer, through other believers? You can't do it. I was amazed last night. I was watching some of the Olympics, which isn't it kind of a, a downer? Like when you turn it on at night, you know it's already happened. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it kind of makes me not want to watch. And I was listening to him talk about Michael Phelps, who, you know, I think he finished fourth in the 400 individual medley yesterday, right? And he finished fourth and they were talking about that. And they were like, he's only prepared for nine months for this race. I was like, only prepare for nine months? How long you got to prepare? You can have a baby in nine months. And it takes you nine months to get ready for one race. I'm like, what you been doing? You've been eating too much Subway. The reality is, listen, I mean, that is such intense preparation. That's such an intense race. That's such an intense moment. Listen to me. When, if he prepares that hard to win a stinking gold medal that one day is probably going to be lost in an attic somewhere. Shouldn't we be preparing ourselves to win the greatest goal, which are souls for Christ? Well, we've been given the greatest treasure. That's what our kids are studying right now is the greatest treasure of Jesus Christ in this little pirate thing. They found the treasure chest today. Praise the Lord. They found the treasure chest. But so have we. If we are in Christ, we have the greatest treasure. Should we not be preparing ourselves to pass that along? He says to restore them. He says, but do it gently. And when I worked in the roofing business, I was in my office one day and a guy comes running in and he's like, Brandon, Brandon, you got to come out here. I was like, what's wrong? He's like, I think so-and-so broke his leg. And I go out there, they've got the guy laying down in the back seat of the truck. He's laying down flat and his legs out like this and his foot's flat on the floor. I'm like, you think his legs broke? I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure he needs to go to the hospital. And so they go to the hospital and listen, they, 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 they take him back and I'm back there with him. I'm like, man. And his brother looks at me. He goes, no matter what they do, they will not be able to put him to sleep. I was like, what? He's like, his stamina. Like he, he just, you can't knock him out. I was like, that's good information to know. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm like, and I'm thinking in my mind, like, what's he been doing so that like pain medicine doesn't knock him? You know? And so they start giving him shots. And the first one, they were like, can you feel it? He's like, yeah, I can feel it. And so they give him another one. And they're like, do you feel anything now? He's like, oh yeah, I feel it now. And so then they give him another one. And finally he's like, he's out. I'm like, I told him, not him out. He's like, nah. I'm like, what? And they reach up and they grab his foot. And when he does, he sits him and goes, no doc, don't, don't do that doc. Don't do that doc. And finally they give him another one. And literally the nurse in ER got angry because she, he had given him all that he could give and he still wasn't knocked out. And so the doctor looked at us and he was like, well, y'all hold him down. I'm like, you want me to hold a guy down that you can't knock out with, with painkillers. And so I'm like, all right. So we go and we lay across his chest. We're literally holding him down. And the doctor's like, don't worry. He won't remember this in the morning. I'm like, I doubt that. Because I see that foot and it looks bad. He takes it and he sits it off the thing. And then all of a sudden you hear. And he puts it back up. It's straight as an arrow. I was like, can you do that again? That was awesome. And so he, he sets it. And you know, the guy, he kind of squirmed a little bit, but it made it bearable. 
and made it bearable. And I was thinking about this. Listen, as we speak the truth to each other, as we come in and we challenge each other, as we come in and correct each other, someone's caught in a sin. Someone's carrying a burden. Some of you right now, you're carrying burdens that are so hard, so strong. You need other people to carry them with you. Listen, you need to get in relationships through these connect groups where, where people can, can, can rally around you who will be in the fight with you. And I was thinking about how he came in and he sat his leg. The word for restoring here literally means like resetting a bone. And I thought, you know, sometimes we get out of alignment as the church. Sometimes we get out of alignment as the body of Christ. And and someone has to come in and reset us. Somebody has to come in and gently correct us. You know, it would have been crazy like if he was like, hold him down. And then he hit him with a sledgehammer. But he didn't do that. He just very gently popped it back into place. And sometimes we need those people in our lives. We all, literally, we always need somebody there to help correct us, to walk with us, to bear the burden, to carry the burden for us. We're not meant to carry it alone. And I was thinking about when we speak the truth, sometimes it is not pleasant. Sometimes it is not pleasant. But you know the one thing, the anesthetic that allows for us to hear the truth and be corrected is love. Does it not come across differently when you know that someone's telling you something because they have your best in mind? Does it not come across differently when you truly believe that I care about you and I love you and I want the best for you when I stand up here and I tell you something that is not palatable or we show a video, video, hello last Sunday, that a lot of people don't like? But if you know that my heart is that I care for you and I want the best for you and I'm simply trying to bring alignment to us and to the church so that we can fulfill the purposes of God makes all the difference in the world. We've got to realize this. We've got to get in this place where we're willing to step in, grow up maturely, step into other people and restore them gently to help carry the burden in their life. To help correct and align it. Listen, just as much as sin can take us off target, so can burdens. If you've ever been weighted down just with things in life, man, you know, it can drag you down in your faith as much as anything. We need those people in our lives who can come alongside of us and be that encouragement. One of the keys, and, and listen, you need to hear this. One of the keys to being able to step into other people's life is you have to make an investment. We talked about this in the first message of this series, talked about investing. You've got to invest in other people's lives because until you invest, you'll have no influence. And if you have no influence, you have no leadership. People will not allow you to speak into their lives if they do not believe that you care about them. We got to be investing in each other. Listen, connect groups, listen, it's an investment, isn't it? It takes time. Some of you give up your houses for people with children. One day you think you got it bad, I'm bringing mine over to your house. But we, we, we do, we make sacrifices. Why? It takes an investment to be a part of people's lives, to be in the fight. It takes an investment. Listen, connect group leaders, I want to challenge you. Listen, this fall, we're going to another level. All of you wearing the green shirts, listen to me. We need to be prepared. We need to be investing. We need to be, listen, if we're going to influence people for Christ and we're going to be able to be a part of their life and help carry their burdens, we've got to invest. Those of you who aren't in a group, listen, challenging you, make an investment into your life, make an investment into your walk with Christ, get in a connect group so that you can meet people who are walking the same route you are. Listen, they're on the same journey with Jesus. 
It might not look identical. There may be some scenery that's different along the way, but they are pursuing the same goal. Our fellowship around the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're moving together, one another, fighting with each other. The last one, verse two, he says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. He says, carry each other's burden. Last point I want to give you today is be willing to lift with your legs, not with your back. I didn't know this, but that's like point eight of the UPS lifting philosophy or whatever. I found that out this morning. I did not study the UPS employee manual all week long. But lift with your legs, not with your back. In other words, be willing to do some heavy lifting. Be willing to do some heavy lifting. I want you to understand, church, we're not here to, to, to shoot the wounded. Right? We're here to lift them up. And sometimes the truth is heavy. When it's spoken with love, it brings hope. Does it bring conviction? Yes. When we talk about the reality of who Jesus is, it brings hope. We're not here to kill people. We're here to heal them. We're here to be a healing agent of God in people's lives. Be willing to do some heavy lifting. Here's the awesome thing about us. That in the same way that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, lifted the burden off of us, we now, because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, have the ability to lift the burden off of others. Are we willing to make that investment? Do y'all see this? That we have a God who didn't stand on the sidelines and go, come on, you can do better. Come on, come on, dig, push, push, wide base, wide base, drop, drop, drop. We have one who came to earth, put on flesh, was tempted in every way as we are. Every way! And yet was without sin. He got in the fight with us and he won the victory. Isn't that awesome? I just love the imagery of like Jesus walking up to Satan and just punching the mess out of it. I just love that thought. That's exactly what he did. When he saw us in our struggles with sin, when he saw us mired in death, when he saw that we had no hope, he didn't stand up there and just get him a bullhorn and like, come on guys, come on. He stepped into the fight and he won the victory. And that's what God, that's what Jesus has done for us. Listen, we have the opportunity to do that for each other. In this church, it happens in connect groups. That's why we're wearing these shirts. In just a little bit, I'm going to dismiss you. You can go out there and you can meet connect group leaders. They're all wearing green shirts. You can talk to them about a group. You can get in a group. Need to be in a group. You need to be with people who will fight alongside of you. I want to real quick, I only got just a couple of minutes, but I want to address a couple of excuses that we constantly hear people make. Listen, you need somebody to fight with you. The first excuse I often hear is, I don't need anyone to carry my burdens. I can carry them on my own. Commonly men, some women too. Listen, listen, that sounds heroic, right? Sounds awesome. Only problem is, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. The next excuse I often hear is people, along with that one, they say, well, I've been living like this for years. Carry my own burdens. I've been living like this for years. And that's why you and everybody around you is miserable. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to unload some stuff. You need somebody to walk along with you. To get in the fight with you. Another excuse we often hear. Jesus is the only burden bearer I need. Okay, Mr. Spiritual. 
Listen, sounds awesome. Sounds super spiritual. It's just not biblical. That's the only problem with that is the Bible. Because it's very clear from scripture that God gives us other people in our lives, other believers who strengthen us and empower us to do the things that he's created us to do. We cannot do life alone. Last one or the next one. I don't have any burdens. Okay, Miss Denial. Right? We all have burdens. Sometimes they're worse than others. Sometimes we walk through things that, 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 are, that are heavy and we know we've got a burden. But listen, life is hard. Can we as a church just quit pre- pretending that we live in some utopia? We live in a world that was ravaged by sin and people have real stinking issues. And I'll just say this just real quick. I'm proud to have a staff who when they stand on this platform and they preach from this stage that they're willing to talk about real issues. That aren't willing to pretend we live in a PG world. Wouldn't it be nice if we did? But we don't. And from this stage, we will talk about real issues. Real things. Because we do. We, we, listen. If we lived in a vacuum where sin didn't exist and everything was fine, that would be awesome. It's not. We all have burdens. Every person in here has something in their life that they need to be healed from. That God needs to make their heart whole. We want that for you. We want that for you to be healed, to be made whole. Next one, church people are weird. That's got a little validity to it, right? There's some weird church folks. In fact, that's why a lot of y'all never, like you don't want to go to church because you've been around weird church folks. We do things like raise our hands. Like what, is somebody got a gun to their back? Why are their hands in there? We do weird things, but you can come be weird with us. Here's the thing I realized, like normal sucks. Amen. What, what's normal in our culture is jacked up. I want to be weird. I want to be weird. Come be weird with us. Last one. I can't trust people. I can't trust people. Listen, there's some validity to that, but listen to me, listen. Jesus didn't die on a cross and fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit so that you could be a victim for the rest of your life. He wants to heal your heart. One of the main ways he does that is in fellowship with other people. Listen, somebody hurts you in this church. Listen, we got guys that are barely saved. Yeah. We'll just bury them. Okay. We want this to be a safe place where it's okay to not be okay. Where you can come in and be who you are. And then we can trust together that Jesus is going to change your heart, change my heart, and make us more like him. Last thing, end it with this a quick little story. When I played baseball um, at Georgia Southern, you've heard me talk about this. I've said it a hundred times. I watched a lot more than I played, so this is not a glory day story. It was actually one of the most difficult times in my life because I went from being a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond. And I didn't play a whole lot. But we had a guy on the team, and his name was Snacks. That wasn't his real name. Like, that's not his birth certificate name. But that's what everybody called him. We called him Snacks. And, and the funny thing about Snacks is he was our closer. He threw about 94, but if you saw him on the street, you would not be like, that dude's going to get drafted and go to the major leagues. His name was Snacks, okay? 
but he threw hard. And, and the funny thing about snacks was every fall when we would come back and start fall practice, there was something we all dreaded and we all had to prepare for it during the summer. And it was what's called poles. Some of you played baseball, you've run these. We had to run 10 poles in a certain amount of time. And listen, this is, back, this is like in, in early September, it's still hot. We're having to run poles and, and we're back and forth. And, and man, it was hard. And the crazy thing was snacks never came in prepared. Every, every time, like all summer long, all he did was drink beer and eat chicken wings. Like all summer. He'd come in like 20 pounds overweight. He'd be like, snacks, what you been doing? Not much, obviously. Just drinking beer and eating chicken wings. We're like, awesome, man. Awesome summer. And every year we'd go out and if you didn't make your polls, you had to get up at the crack of dawn and run them every day until you made them. And we're like, don't you know you're going to have to do this? He's like, yeah. And here's the funny thing about it. We start running polls about the fifth one, he's dying. He's halfway, he's dying. He's literally dragging. Like one time I literally saw him crawl across the line in tears, crying. And our coach yells from the dugout. He's like, you're an animal snacks. And it's just, he's crying, crawling. And without fail, there was another guy on our team. His name was Garth. Like, look like you chiseled him out of granite. You know, those kind of people make me sick. I mean, just big dude, like muscles from on top of muscles. Best person, probably, probably if not the best, one of the top two people in, in the best shape on our whole team. And, and here's what would happen. Every time Snacks is crawling, he's crying. And I look up and Garth, who's finished all of his poles, runs back, grabs him, and tries to pull him to the finish line. Now, he wasn't going to pull Snacks that fast. But he's trying to pull him across the finish line. And he's dragging him. He's encouraging him. And I was thinking about that this week. And I thought about this. The one person on the team who had the most right to stand in judgment of snacks, to be the one who would be like, you need to get in shape. How can you come in here dragging? The one guy who had the most right to look down his nose at him and to scorn him and to judge him and to condemn him was the one who went back and got him. Y'all already know where I'm going with that. It's exactly what Jesus did for us. The one person who has the right to stand in judgment of us. The one person who has the right to condemn us. The one person who was perfect in every way is the one who came. He came back for us. Nothings. Yet he came back for us. That, man, that don't get old. To think about a God like that. He lifted our burden of sin. He purifies our heart. He begins to recreate us in his image. He's given us everything. The greatest treasure in the world. Are we willing to do the same for other people? to lift that burden. Listen, are we willing to drop our excuses for why we can't be in biblical fellowship with other people so that they can fulfill their purpose of carrying our burdens and so you can fulfill yours of carrying their burdens? Jesus came. He came for us. The reality is today, guys, man, listen, We need that. We need that in our lives. 
The first step for some of you today is this, that you need to come into the family of God. You need to just come to that place. Listen, your religious performance can't save you. Nothing can save you other than faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And for some people, you haven't made that step yet. I want to challenge you today that if you haven't and the Lord has spoken to your heart, you have not surrendered your life to him, that today you make that step. And listen, you have an encounter with Jesus that saves your soul for eternity. It's the beginning of a new life, the beginning of a new journey. It doesn't stop there. You're just getting started. Others of you, listen, you've been running from real biblical fellowship. You've been running, not allowing people into your life who, who can help gently correct, who can speak truth and love, who can stand in the fight with you, who will take the punches with you, who will dodge the bullets with you, who've got your back no matter what. And today, in just a moment, we're going to walk out the back doors you'll have an opportunity to meet people who would love nothing more than to walk through life with you. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how bad you think you've been. Jesus is bigger. So here's the thing. Just a minute, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, we're going to go out the back doors. Okay, everybody just please go out the back doors. If you want to leave, leave that way. But for some of you, Today needs to be the day that you place your trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior as you surrender to Him. As everybody else is walking out, listen, you simply walk over here to these doors, my left, your right. There'll be people there to pray with you, to celebrate with you what Jesus is doing in your life and in your heart. Listen, we don't want anything from you, but we want everything for you. That includes a heart that's whole and a life that glorifies Jesus, that glorifies God. So I'm going to pray. However the Lord speaks to your heart, I just want to encourage you that you respond. Connect group leaders, listen, if you want to head out when I'm praying, uh, maybe God won't strike you down. If you walk out in the middle of a prayer. But listen, uh, if you need to respond to salvation today, I encourage you to make that decision. Most important decision you'll ever make. Let's pray.